All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here getting ready for week eight of the NFL fantasy football season. This is the Fantasy Football Universe podcast, and we're going to be talking about fantasy football, all the fun that fantasy football is um, continuously causing us to tear our hair out. Uh, For those who don't know, I am Nick from CWE. He is BC Steel. And um, before going on, I, I think you wanted to take about five minutes to give a post-mortem for Arian Foster's career. Uh, yes, as somebody who was a big Arian Foster fan and in an era of NFL scandals, uh, one of the, by all reports, good guys who was very self-aware not only of his talent but himself and even his body, if you read uh, reports on his rehab, he was always one to not come back early and put up a crap performance. He came back when he was 100%, which maybe as a fantasy owner, that might be something that's frustrating uh, if you have to wait, if you were one that had to wait for him. But uh, as a just as a human being, uh, an all-around good guy, he doesn't give canned answers in interviews either, which I appreciate. Just to give you an idea, uh, came in the league in 2009, undrafted. At the end of 2009, because the Texans were a hot dumpster fire then, uh, his week 15, which he was, uh, if DFS would have been around then, he probably would have had a lot of uh, ownership and a lot of angry owners. He had a fumble, and I believe he had negative points. I'm not positive on that. Um, I actually did in 09. It was a, uh, on my fantasy league, it was like, I think it was on my fantasy league, it was like the final... Uh, two weeks of the season, it's a free-for-all. You pick your roster, and then it runs two weeks. Uh, it was just among friends in the one uh, fantasy league I'm in. Arian Foster had over 200 yards and three touchdowns the final last two weeks of the season. He took the starting job. If you owned him from 2010 to, th- to through 2012, you got over 4,200 rush yards, 41 rushing touchdowns, 1,400 receiving yards, Six receiving touchdowns in 2010. He's one of only, I believe, three players to ever have 1,600 rush yards and 600 receiving yards. Uh, He was injured in 2013. A lot of people said that that would be the end of Arian Foster. He came back in 2014, uh, and in 13 games, he put up 1,500 yards total, rushing and receiving, and uh, 13 total touchdowns. So uh, a hell of a career and pretty admirable for a guy to retire midway through the season and not just hang around and force the team to make a move uh, so he could get paid. So uh, thank you, Arian Foster. And if any uh, undrafted NFL player wants somebody as a motivation, I even said this on Twitter, aside from complaining about Lamar Miller and uh, Brock Osweiler, I said that if anybody uh, who's undrafted in the NFL wants to look at – Something that uh, they can hold on to that say they have a shot. Just look at Arian Foster because he was drafted, or excuse me, undrafted, made a smart decision as to where to go play, and the rest, as they say, is history. And if we had uh, sappy music or taps or something, we would play that there, but uh, that's about all I got. And if you can, go read his retirement speech or retirement tweet or whatever you want to call it because it was actually pretty, uh, pretty inspirational, better than having to read uh, the Giants owner, Mara, talk about uh, the POS kicker that they just released. So, See there, I'm not always negative and bitter and angry. No, that's good. That was a nice <laughs> tribute to Arian Foster. Uh, you know, I think 
everyone who's played DFS probably has used him in, in, at some point in a lineup, so we all lament today and congratulate him on a wonderful career and, and think about what would be um, dealt with a lot of health issues throughout his career, but still had a pretty solid, solid go of things. Um, transitioning from that, not seamlessly, but I am getting extremely irritated with uh, with the NFL. I don't understand how at any juncture they can be confused about why their ratings are so low when they have games like Seattle and Arizona on Monday nights. And then, quite frankly, the Houston-Denver game was not much better. Uh, well, yeah. The, these games... Of, go ahead. I was going to say, really a tale of two different... Uh, Two different uh, 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 stories there. The Seattle-Arizona game, if you love defense and low-scoring games, you loved it. Uh, I think it's the first modern-era uh, tied game to not have a touchdown. I believe I heard that. And then, well, anything with Brock Osweiler is going to be patty poop. So, uh, continuing on, sorry. Just had to get a Brock Osweiler knock in there. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I had what I assumed was an absolutely terrible lineup into the Sunday-Monday tournaments. Okay? You ready for this? I'm going to read it to you. Russell Wilson, 9.2. David Johnson, 21.1. Devontae Booker, 15.2. Doug Baldwin, 9.9. Larry Fitzgerald, 11.5. Demaryius Thomas, 13. Jimmy Graham, 7.8. Brandon McManus, 9. Denver Broncos, 9. For a whopping total of 105. All right? That's not good. Not really. Hold on! That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that lineup finished 6,000th out of 92,471. Wow. Right? Wow. The, The winning score was 119. 119. That's sad. It, the, I fear that we are headed the same direction um, for the Monday-Thursday games. As of right now, the high score where someone played everybody but a defense was 83 points. I'm sitting at a respectable 47.8, having played Booker, Thomas, Sanders, and the Broncos, and I'm staring Mariota, Murray, my punt, play for this guy. I always try to find I don't ever play chalk in these two di- two game slates. I always try at the running back and wide receiver position to punt one guy. So Booker was my punt 9% owned. He was a little lower owned in the uh, Sunday-Monday game or Thursday, yeah, Sunday-Monday games he's a little higher uh, Monday-Thursday. My punt wide receiver, if you want to call him that, you don't have to, but it was Alan Hearns. And then I went Delaney Rockle, Ryan Suckup. Well, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is it's that these types like baseball was changed. The scoring on, on FanDuel for baseball was changed so that the games seemed more exciting with more points, more fantasy score, points scored. The same with hockey. You know, you went from a situation where uh, 35 might have been a winning hockey score for 50-50s on any given night in NHL hockey, now that would equate to 140 points. And let's just be honest, 140 points sounds more exciting than 35, right? 
Absolutely. It's, uh, it's more the same scoring structure. So, same scoring structure. The same exact things happen in the game. Nothing changed. It's just that the scores look higher. So, I mean, not only are we getting bad games, but we're having these extremely low fantasy totals. And, and if you have these extremely low fantasy score totals, it is a direct result of the fact that the games aren't very good. And I don't, this isn't like 1960. I don't think people want to see, um, you know, slow grind them out games. That's why nobody watches the Memphis Grizzlies in basketball. No offense to them, but they're a slow plotting team that likes to play defense. No one got time for that. You want to watch the Warriors who are going to shoot the lights out of the arena, you know, uh, or the Cavs even. I mean, they're a good defensive team, but they can still play fast, and they're exciting. So I think that there's some things that have to change within the NFL. Um, namely, Roger Goodell has to go, and that's not going to be a situation because these owners have to have a high loyalty to him because up to this point, he's actually made them quite a bit of money. So... Um, you can give me your thoughts, then we'll move into uh, another issue I have with some fantasy, foot, uh, daily fantasy on FanDuel. Well, I completely agree with you. You know, you and I talked before about uh, NFL being uh, the no-fun league where players can't celebrate. Uh, Antonio Brown gets fined and penalized for twerking, which, thank God, that's not the case in real life because I'd be penalized and, and fined all the time. But just, you know, little stuff like that, harmless stuff. And I understand that we've said before that if you're going to project uh, that you're doing things to give a better example, then let's not let uh, let's not pick and choose what we're going to pick to make a better example for the league. And even if you could go so far as to have smarter matchups on your Thursday, uh, on your Monday slates, I mean – and this is this is no disrespect because they maybe they figured hey Houston would go in there and uh, and and make it a big game, but uh, at least on Sunday night games you can change the schedule around in advance, which they do with flex scheduling. There's no reason you couldn't do that the entire year. Yeah, I'll agree and with that. Something. My next problem is Fanduel, and it's pretty specific to Fanduel. Uh, what I genuinely like to do is, after I've given up all hope that I'm not going to be the next fantasy millionaire, which is usually at about 1.05 on Sunday afternoon, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, when the guy at 1.05 already has two touchdowns and I have 0% ownership of him. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, as the day wears on, I like to start to look forward, prepare myself. I write two NFL articles on our site. I contribute at least two to other sites. So I have to start getting my stuff together pretty early so I know what direction that I want to go. So DraftKings always posts their contests um, first, so I, I always go in there. And for the first time this year, I basically couldn't <coughs> play whoever I wanted. Now, when I say that, I we have at no point been able to play like huge stacked lineups all year. Right, like at no point, even at the beginning of the season, you can't just stuff all the studs in your lineup. But it's been pretty easy for the first seven weeks of the season to put in, you know, pretty much who you want. Uh, this week on DraftKings, like I said, I mean, I started with a cheap 
quarterback and one of the higher priced receivers. Well, let's just say it's Mike Evans and Jameis Winston. I wanted to start constructing my roster that way. I think that's the direction I want to go as opposed to Fitzpatrick against the Browns because I think that could go badly for Fitzpatrick. Um, I feel more confident in saying Winston at home. Anyway, after I did that, it became a little more difficult to really feel comfortable with some of the decisions I had to make. Um, it wasn't like it was last week where I could put in you know, Kaepernick, Evans, A.J. Green, and Gronkowski into the same lineup and still have pretty good role players. Value hasn't really shown itself yet, and any of the value that may look like it could appear may not be in the best situations. So Monday, when I think it was Monday, could have been Sunday night, but I think it was Monday when FanDuel released their Sunday and Thursday contest, I immediately went in and I was able to build a lineup with three of the four top receivers, two running backs that will get a lot of touches, Jameis Winston, the Vikings defense, a minimum price kicker, and Jack Doyle. And I'm sitting here and saying to myself, this isn't exactly fun. You know, part of the whole daily fantasy experience is showing that you're smarter than the other players or that you know how to build a better lineup. If I could just put anybody I want in, the fun is not necessarily there. And I get that for the casual player that might not be the same mentality. Perhaps the casual player likes the experience of being able to put see all the big names in their lineup. But to me, it takes more of the skill out of it than I think it should. Do you have any thoughts on that? I would agree. Uh, I think if I've heard from a small smattering of people just on message boards, why doesn't FanDuel DraftKings, why don't these other sites, you know, up the amount that you can spend on players? And I think if that's the case, then you're going to have, you know, Aaron Rodgers, David Johnson, uh, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. You're going to have that every single week, and that takes the the fun out of it. I personally, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, not being happy with FanDuel. I have actually, uh, well, when my balance runs out, I'm actually moving everything over to FanPix uh, personally. Um, so that's just going to be mine. I like the the smaller size of it personally. Uh, so I, I do have money in FanDuel, so I'll let that run out, and then I'll uh, probably go over to FanPix. I might go back. I'm not sure, but I definitely hear a little bit of a smattering of, of people that are complaining. For me, personally, I, I've i never really had an issue with starting a lineup where I didn't feel that I could get value. Unfortunately, I also sometimes fall in the same boat where by 110, I am out. So, And this last week has me uh, bitter towards all uh, DFS in general, all sports. <laughs> Well, that's a good segue into uh, the discussion for Week Eight, and um, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely going to be interesting. I could see things going a lot of different ways here. Um, you know, most notably, I think the the uh, rather than perhaps you know just going down the list, there's a few games I think that stick out like a sore thumb that should be good for fantasy production. I would say that those games are uh, Seattle at New Orleans, Kansas City at Indy, potentially the Jets at Cleveland, 
definitely Oakland at Tampa Bay, San Diego at Denver, Green Bay and Atlanta, and maybe Philly and Dallas. I think that those are the games that I'm kind of looking at and saying, okay, I think that we can safely say that um, you don't want to probably use Matt Stafford here because for the most part, Houston is pretty good against the pass. And Detroit is no bodies to run the football. So, I mean, I, I just think that those are the games I'm looking at. So, right off the rip, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, who has done nothing and does not, just because he's playing New Orleans, does not deserve to be priced uh, as the fifth highest player on FanDuel. That's an absolute joke altogether. Um, again, I still don't think outside of Cam Newton, a single quarterback has actually put up a good game against New Orleans. But yet, here we are, every time they play, you know, the quarterback against them gets priced up irrationally. So, good luck for everyone taking Russell Wilson. Um, Andrew Luck has been, and his price falls just at, again, just ridiculousness. No reason for his price to go down. He's been... Uh, he was on a number of winning rosters coming in at 27.8 points. Like, there's no reason you don't want to look at him. Uh, Derek Carr, I think we've, we're at his tipping point now where, I'm, where I feel more safe to say that I don't like his upside going forward. He's really struggled a lot in the second half of the year. Marcus Mariota, I think, will make a very popular Thursday night quarterback play. I don't disagree with it. He's been playing... At a pretty high level, though, he did come back down to earth against Indianapolis. Uh, just kind of looking to see here. I think that the lowest I feel comfortable going this week is Jameis Winston. And admittedly, I'll, he'll probably be my cash game quarterback. I, I do think that. And then I... Again, I'm crazy for saying it, and I I do know that he will not be a, a popular pick at all, so you're going to get this guy at extremely low ownership, but you're not going to be able to talk me out of a minimum-priced quarterback going against a defense that is questionable who just ran for 100 yards. And that's Kevin Hogan. I, was I mean, just gonna if, say. if Cody Kessler and McCown aren't able to go, it's one game, and I'm not playing him expecting to hit 100 rushing yards, but that's a good sign that he's, you know, and it's, again, it's one performance, but that one performance puts him in the top 10 for quarterback average on the year so again a stupid way of looking at it and that's not the way I'm encouraging anyone to look at it but if you're looking for uh, the ability to really just play whoever you want I, I think that that's going to be the route to go any comments I, questions anyone you felt like you know l give me give me some guys who, who are your top three at the position this week well if we're going to go with the position I think even though uh, reactions on him have been mixed uh, I'm going to go if I'm going expensive, I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Falcons' defense have the next-to-last worst uh, pass defense in the league, so that's going to be my uh, expensive guy if I'm going to 
be willing to spend that uh, mid-tier range. Uh, he has a little bit harder matchup this week, but I'm very close to feeling comfortable with Marcus Mariota. Very close. I'm not saying I'm there yet, but uh, he put up 16.7 this week. Previous week, 28.8. Before that, 30.5. I know against Houston, he kind of laid an egg. Well, he didn't kind of. He did lay an egg. Um, I'm willing to go with that, but I, to be honest, Winston is $100 less, so that's probably, if I'm going to make that, I might have a little Mary out of it. Winston will have that. And if I'm going El Cheapo and I don't want to go with uh, with Kevin Hogan, I'm going to go Brock Osweiler. No, I'm kidding. He's horrible. He is He is hot garbage. He is my quarterback that shall not be named uh, because Nick from CWE may blow things up. But, yeah, I completely agree with Kevin Hogan. I actually don't mind him. In this matchup, because as we've seen from the uh, from the New York Jets defense, they're not what we thought before. They're also in the bottom of the league uh, when it comes to passing and uh, rushing. They are top five, but um, when you're that bad at, at uh, defending the pass, teams don't really need to run. So that's really it as far as quarterback. There might be a, a smattering of luck, a smattering of... Uh, Trevor Simeon, believe it or not, but for the most part, I think it's going to be those three that uh, I mentioned earlier. Now, running back-wise, there's, there's really one guy um, that I'm in love with, possibly for the rest of the year due to his schedule. Do you know who it is? All right, BC, we're done with the quarterbacks. You're telling me that you have a hot take on a running back that you want to play. You're asking me if I know who it is. I'm going to guess it's got to be either David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott. Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> well, those are good plays. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think you'll be okay if you put them in. Uh, and this is, if you're in a, a season long and you're trying to get somebody, I don't think you're going to get him. You might have to pay a lot for him, but he might be worth it. And that's Melvin Gordon. Uh, Melvin Gordon, as somebody put on Twitter, is a guy who is not good at real football, but is great at fantasy football. We're seven weeks in, he has 10 touchdowns. Uh, Danny Woodhead going down and it was just amazing for him. And I know they said they may try to lighten his workload. I don't think that's going to happen. He's going against Denver, which is the 22nd worst rushing defense. We have seen that you can run on the Broncos. Uh, I don't think that... Uh, there's going to be a lot of pass yards. I could be wrong, but I think the main focus is going to be running the ball. I don't think they're going to lighten his workload. He also has the Dolphins coming up, which are bottom of the league. Texans are bottom of the league. Raiders and Browns are bottom of the league. Uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, to this point anyway, has faced only three. Uh, excuse me. He's, to this point, he's only faced two top 12 rushing defenses. Uh, for the entire year, if you took their rankings at this point, he's only got four defenses that are in the top 12. Everything else is actually 20 or less. So he has really got a soft schedule as far as that goes. I like Melvin Gordon all the way, maybe for the rest of the year. Uh, and, you know, David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott are okay. And there is uh, there is Jaquiz. Maybe that you can put that on a T-shirt. There is Jaquiz, but... I don't think Doug Martin's going to be back. Uh, that said, I am 
a little bit. I know there's a timeshare, but I'm willing to uh, roll the dice on Latavius Murray as well. There are a few others, but for for that, I will throw it to you because I can't figure out a way to knock uh, Brock Osweiler again. Yeah, so I haven't written any of these any of these games up yet, but as soon as I saw the matchup. The first thing I wanted to do was plug in the Denver defense because I think that this defense, even on a short week, is going to be hungry because of what San Diego did to them on that Thursday night game. Uh, So I feel like that the game script is going to favor Denver. It's going to favor whatever running back situation they can come up with. Um, But and I, I guess my biggest problem here is you know, in games where Melvin Gordon hasn't scored a touchdown, he has not been able to hit 10 points. I get where you're going, and I can't say that I disagree with you because this is the guy who absolutely fundamentally refused to play Jay Ajayi at all last week. Um, so maybe I'm just not a good running back reader, but I have a feeling that this isn't going to work out well for him. Uh you know, looking at David Johnson, I think Carolina is pretty susceptible against the run. We saw Denver kind of give it to him. Um, David Johnson coming off uh, a very good game, again, where he didn't score a single touchdown against Seattle and still managed to put up over 20 fantasy points. This is, this is a, If you can work it out, which I'm pretty sure you can, this is a no-brainer play in cash games. Uh, Elliot, we don't know as much about. Yes, we know that he's hit over 130 yards in four straight games, um, but they're not teams that have been the greatest against the run. I'm not trying to say that they are the best against them either. Like Green Bay, I, I said going into that game that that was just overrated defense. They hadn't played anyone who actually ran the football that was good. Uh, Philly's defense has shown that it's pretty tough, so you have to, you know, you have to say that Elliott has to be considered more for a tournament play than a cash game play. And then you've just got all of these guys following that could be very good plays. Murray against Jacksonville. I mean, you have to think that that's practically a dream matchup. Christine Michael against New Orleans. Running backs have been pretty much eating New Orleans alive, and we do know that this. Seattle team likes to run the ball. Also, they've not proven for the most part that they're able to competently pass it thus far. Um, Spencer Ware against Indianapolis. I mean, we've seen everybody take care of Indianapolis. Forte against Cleveland. <laughs> One of the more intriguing matchups of the, of the week, I would say, is a Devonta Freeman, who looks like he could be without Tevin Coleman this week. So we might be down to a run, one-running-back system against that aforementioned tough Packer run defense. Um, you know He didn't look great running the ball on Sunday. He had a couple of big runs, but, I mean, he was stymied for the large portion of the game. It wasn't really till he got some production alone in the fourth quarter that he panned out. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Jaquiz Rogers is going to be popular, but it also makes sense if Doug Martin's not back. You know, 30 and 26 carries against the 24th and the 30th ranked rush defense um 
over 15 fantasy points in both, and oh, he's taking on a, the, the, uh, the 28th ranked run defense, so why should you assume anything else would be different? Uh, the chalk play of the week is going to be Ty Montgomery because, you know, Lacey's not going to play, Starks isn't going to play, Niall Davis isn't good, and Don Jackson got hurt. So, I mean, this is what I'm saying. You, you got a guy who's coming off of two very good games, and he's priced 25 targets in the last two games. He has, you know, 10 receptions in each of those games. It's just asinine to me that he's priced where he's at. Uh, so, again, kind of a no-brainer play for me. Latavius Murray, I think, carries some upside. Um, then you kind of have the class of guys that are really risky. You've got your Mike Gillisleys, You've got your Devonta Bookers, your Matt Asiata's. Uh, your Chris Thompsons, all of these guys are people who could potentially see some work, but they're really in ill-defined roles that are dependent on a lot of things going in their favor. They make decent tournament plays, especially Booker to me. He outtouched Anderson. Anderson did score more fantasy points, but it was very narrow margin. The price difference between these two right now um, is enough for me to say that I, I would rather just save the $1,200 and, and play Booker. Uh, the only downside is I think if this game stays close, you might not have as much Booker. So there, there's my general running back breakdown. BC, what do you have uh, on top of that, if anything? Well, the only thing I will say, you mentioned Asiata, and he was in my... Uh my uh, waiver wire article Asiata carried the ball 12 times for 55 yards he actually caught the ball six of his eight targets for another 25 he's not gonna I don't think be breaking many uh, big plays but Jerick McKinnon uh, left the game so as of right now it's an ankle injury I don't think they have really made any kind of determination but middle-of-the-road rush defense, Monday night game for some people that like that. So if McKinnon is out, Asiata might not be a bad play there. And on Devonta Freeman, keep in mind he will be involved in the pass game as well, and he's going to be the guy. If Coleman is out, which it's believed that he will be, I really, really like Devonta Freeman, especially at him only being $900, whereas in the beginning of the year he was way more expensive. Right. Nope, totally agree with all that. Uh, let's move on to the wide receiver position. Uh, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Uh, Julio, Green, Evans, Hilton, all elite plays could definitely foresee a situation where each of these guys are over 20 fantasy points in in their respective games. Uh, Amari Cooper, colossal disappointment. Jordy Nelson, colossal disappointment. Marvin Jones has been trending downward. You know, the, we're starting to see some parody. Hopkins, I mean, you cannot use him. I don't care if they target him 10, they could target him 20 times. 10 are going to be swatted down. Two are going to be dropped. Two are going to be intercepted. I mean, it's, it, you're, I, I can't even make a defense at this point for, for playing him. And that's weird because, I mean, he has, you know, one game over 20, 
Two games at about 14, one at 11, a 6, a 7, and a .9. I mean, these are not the five most expensive, the fifth most expensive receiver numbers. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Marshall finds himself in a good position. Bryant, I'm... I'm not. I'll, I'll be late to the game on Des Bryant, and I'll be fine with that. I don't need to play him. A guy I feel like we haven't been able to play in like six weeks. Kelvin Benjamin is back. He's been somewhat underwhelming after the first two games of the season. Doesn't exactly have the best matchup against the Cardinals, but I mean he's a big guy. If if they can uh, get their passing game going, he's definitely a threat. You'll see a lot of eyes on you know Cooks. Sneed, who I will give you credit for. He didn't have a great game, but on DraftKings he had so many receptions that he did have a good game. Didn't get in the end zone, but still had a decent game. Um, Allen Robinson is dead to, to me. He He's just not doing... He's not doing anything. I mean, you know, his his if you get targeted eight times, you catch two. I get it, Bortles is a disaster at this point. But he, I don't think he's worth a look, especially at the same price when you've got Demarius Thomas, Michael Crabtree, Larry Fitzgerald, Terrell Pryor, all guys that I would take without blinking ahead of him. I think all of those guys, again, are in good positions this week. Palmer clearly loves Fitzgerald, and Carolina does not have a secondary. Randall Cobb seeing carries out of the backfield as well as uh, catching the ball while Jordy Nelson makes the determination if he wants to be a football player or not. Uh, Stefan Diggs has fallen off a cliff. I, I don't feel like you can trust him. Devontae Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, good to go. Uh, I mentioned it last week that Jeremy Macklin is a fantasy wasteland. Again, in his third consecutive amazing matchup, he failed to record but six fantasy points. So you can find your local dumpster and uh, and throw him in there. With that said, I'm going to play him in about 20% of my tournament lineups this week because I think collectively everybody's given up on him, and uh, I'd like to pounce on that. Julian Edelman makes for an interesting play because he's got to do something eventually. He's been seeing his targets, but he's just not getting into the end zone. Uh, Jamison Crowder is loved by... I thought Washington had a bye for some reason. Clearly they don't have Oh, it's because they're playing in London. Okay, that's why they don't have a bye this week. But, but uh, yeah. Crowder is loved by Cousins. Beasley loses a lot with uh, Dez coming back. I, I know people are going to kind of refuse to believe that thought process. Um, I just don't see him being the same type of receiver with Dez back. Uh, still waiting from that big game from Deshaun Jackson. Michael Thomas, I think, is dramatically underpriced. I don't care who he's playing. Something tells me he could very well see Richard Sherman a lot. I almost don't care. I'm kind of on the point where I think he's just priced too low, and he should be able to take advantage of that. Cordero Patterson, I don't think there's anyone that can keep up with him. And again, We mentioned it on the podcast two weeks ago, three weeks ago, against Houston. He now has another touchdown, seven more targets. I I think he's a guy you want to look towards in your tournament games because there's no one that's going to catch up with him in that 
uh, Chicago secondary. Uh, after that, I'm just not I'm not thoroughly comfortable with anybody else. You're you're really looking at a bunch of guys who are suboptimal. Like yes, Tyreek Hill could catch another touchdown. Kendall Wright could end up with another game where he's got six catches for 130 yards and a touchdown, but he's also more likely to have that four-target, two-reception, 12-yard game that you saw Sunday. I agree. Uh, one name left out, Quincy Anunwa, as a guy that uh, I like in tournament play. Obviously, again, actually, I like in tournament or cash. He's against Cleveland, which helps. And not only that, uh, but he's proven that once he gets the ball in his hands, he can do a little uh, a little thing or two. Uh, he's not going to be, uh, I don't think anyway, he's going to be the main focus. But I do think that he has value, especially for his price being 60, 61. Um, yeah, 61 on FanDuel. I do agree with Cole on Cole Beasley. I did say to hold to him. And last two weeks he proved to be... Uh, to have value, but I think that has sailed. Um, I like Snead, Cooks, and Thomas. I think the problem is, just as you have Adams, uh, Nelson, and Cobb in Green Bay, somebody's going to suffer, um, and, and you're going to have to have to deal with that. If you're looking to go uh, the route of El Chipo, if he plays, he's uh, got a toe injury. He wasn't in today's practice, but uh, it's believed that Cutler has been cleared. So if Cutler starts, because I don't think they want to start Matt Barkley, uh, him and Andy Royal do have somewhat of a, a, a connection, so that might not be a bad play for $5,200. Yes, it's against Minnesota, but if you're looking to go El Cheapo and save money elsewhere for other positions, that might not be a bad option, but that's uh, admittedly a deep stretch. Yeah, I mean, my, my gut reaction is that you're going to see a lot of buying of the top wide receivers, especially in cash games this week, spending down at quarterback, which I do think you should, and Ty Montgomery and Jaquiz Rogers, as long as, as, long as Doug Barton isn't back, in, in roughly like 80% of cash game lineups. So, yeah, this is, this is I was happy because DraftKings still has Montgomery listed as a wide receiver. I'm upset but actually okay with that because I think if that would have been the circumstance, it would have made people have to think a little bit more on the running back situation, but it is what it is. Um, Moving over to the tight end position, I cannot help but feel like I don't like what I see out of the, uh, the tight end position Gronk and Olsen, not in the best matchups. Do not like how that plays out for them. And while I am definitely a big believer in the mindset of, you know, a guy who has produced is going to continue to produce, I do think that there is an argument to be made that once a guy has continuously produced, there's going to come a point where the other shoe is going to drop and his production is going to suffer a bit. I feel more that way about Olsen than I do Gronk, but overall where I was very bullish on Gronk last week, I think I'm going to stay away this week. 
the only thing that I like is Buffalo was shut out, uh, excuse me, shut out New England rather, uh, in New England. So I would imagine that uh, that's not going to be the same. I can't see that happening to a Bill Belichick coach team twice. So that does give me a little hope. A name I'll throw out at you, and, and we were we kind of poo pooed him on a, a regular uh, year long fantasy. He played better, I think, than some expected, but he is declined steadily the last four weeks point-wise, and that is Jimmy Graham against New Orleans. Are you willing to buy into him cash tournament, and what do you think his ownership is going to be? He's going to be a very, very, very popular play. I would assume that people will realize that the matchups are very difficult for both Gronk and Olsen, and obviously Reed is unlikely to play this week with a concussion. Uh, and that's not necessarily a great matchup either. So I think there will be a gravitation towards Graham being the most likely play, um, especially since if you take out, if you're looking at the top five, um, and really the top six, two of them have concussions, two of them are in games that aren't going to be included on the main slate for Sunday, so Graham is pretty much the only guy left over who carries some kind of an appeal. So, yes, I do think that there will be um, a lot of interest in him. To me, uh, this is, again, I think I've used the term wasteland already. I'll use it again. I am probably going to alternate between two guys this week. Uh, They're both priced the same on FanDuel. I believe on DraftKings, the first player I will mention is more expensive than the second. And the, these two guys are going to be C.J. Fedorowicz against a Detroit team that continues to let tight ends do whatever um, you know they want to do. Fedorowicz has seen seven or eight targets through the past three games. Number two play is Jack Doyle. Luck loves his tight end. Um, Doyle put up 18.3 fantasy points against Tennessee, who had been pretty good against the position. Casey still offers a little bit to be desired. I think that he's a good candidate if Dwayne Allen is unable to play, um, which is still up in the air at this point. At his price, he he's kind of just a, they're they're both really just locks and loads for me. I completely agree. Fedorowicz is the favorite target to Mister. I can't throw more than ten yards down the field. Brock Osweiler. Well, yeah, that's because Osweiler's horrible. Can we get a counter on uh, how many times I've knocked him during the podcast? I mean, the joke's on me because he's getting paid $18 million to suck. But, um, so, yeah, you know, he strikes me as wins. the kind of guy who's not intelligent enough to not lose his money in a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> so I'm pretty certain that we'll be hearing more about him later in life and how he blew that ridiculous contract he had. Anyway... You know, Screw it, it, it. Hopefully he's smarter than Jamarcus Russell. I've never seen an interview with a guy where a minute in I went, yeah, he's not smart. There's no way that guy has any intelligence. So the funniest thing to me was the, how they were building up this Denver-Houston matchup. Yeah. Did you see all those commercials? And you're just sitting there yeah. like, you do realize that this guy, A, didn't start, B, isn't good, and C, nobody cares about this game. I'm just trying to get, like, I'm watching it, and every time it comes on, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, stop playing this commercial. 
nobody is buying the Osweiler coming home after he sat on the bench for three years. No one's buying that up. All right, guys, come on. He started three games for a hobbled Peyton Manning last year. He did decent, and now he's horrible and exposed. Um, so, yeah, I this, think I'm okay on uh, on making fun of him. And this is a case where you can't say, well, he doesn't have anybody to throw to. He doesn't have a running game. He's got Lamar Miller, who's actually played fairly well. He's got Will Fuller, who proved that he can play. He's got uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who unfortunately Osweiler has made useless. The only thing I will say, uh, the offensive line pass blocking hasn't been – uh, as great as you would hope, but I I don't think that's really an excuse personally. No, um, he he took at least like six deep shots and overthrew the receiver every single time last week. Last, yet last exactly. game. That's, that's and, exactly where I'm going. He has a, yeah. a heck of a, a surrounding cast. So this is on him. I I kind of feel bad, honestly, for Bill O'Brien. I mean, the guy, the poor guy, just wants to win, and he just for his offense, you need a capable quarterback. And I thought, Brian, I thought Brian Hoyer was going to be that, but well, clearly that uh, that didn't work so well. But moving on although, to defense, okay. Go, do you have something else you want to say? Go ahead. We can continue to trash I was, Brock Osweiler. No, I was, I was just going to say, if you look at that piss poor division, they are still in first place. They have the lowest points for uh, the lowest points against because thanks to their defense, and they have a weird record where at home they're four and zero, and on the road they're zero and three. So. Uh, interesting to see how the NFC, or excuse me, AFC South, uh, AFC sadness, I should say, pans out. Right. Okay, let's talk about defense. Say after me, everybody repeat with me, do not play defenses against the Cleveland Browns. This does not work. If you're happy with seven points, by all means, go ahead. But you're not winning a big tournament with that type of performance. Do you agree or disagree? Well, we've seen it in the past. Uh, it's a great idea on paper, and I like starting offensive players against the Browns' defense, but starting a team defense is more about the talent on that defense, not so much the matchup. Yes. Um, so I, I'm done, and, and really, I think that the only time I started the defense against the Browns was the Titans last week. Uh, I think that was the only time I had put a defense against the Browns, and what do you know? They got me that six points I just referenced. Seven, six, seven points. Like, I get the mentality, but the problem with that is, you know, they're always priced up because the sites are like, oh, this defense is playing Cleveland. We have to put them near the top, and people are still like, oh, that's easy. And yet the Browns score 20-plus points, they haven't really been turnover machines too, too much. So, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm fine with, with not even considering the Jets this week. Um, I know that I did it before uh, earlier on in the year, and I, I may end up regretting it, but I, and, and a lot of this is going to depend on Joe Hayden being in the game because with Jordan Poyer out, that backfield's a mess. Defensive backfield is a mess. If Hayden plays, I feel a little more comfortable. But this is a sneaky spot for the Browns' defense. Yes, it is a bad defense. But Fitzpatrick hasn't exactly looked great this year. You know? Uh, and Geno Smith is the one who threw the touchdown pass to Anunwa. 
And let's just be honest, and Nunn was the one who made that touchdown by having like 60 yards after the carry. Forte handled the majority of the work to get them to their next scoring drive. So I'm not exactly jumping on the bandwagon of Brian Brian Fitzpatrick is a great spot start. Eventually, there is some kind of balancing out where we saw Fitzpatrick horrible again and again and again and again. These weren't against... It wasn't like, oh, he played poor against Minnesota and Philadelphia and Seattle. It was he played poorly against... Okay, Arizona and Seattle were, ironically enough, two of them. But <laughs> Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City, and uh, Pittsburgh, all of which have questionable portions of their defense. So, that said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm yeah. going to say that the Browns could be a sneaky option. For me, way too much value, not even necessarily way too much value, but on FanDuel, the pricing is so skewed that I can throw in Minnesota or Denver, who I do project as being my best defenses this week. I I have Minnesota in now. I think I'm going to swing that towards Denver. Not that I even need to save any kind of money, but just because I, I, I like the whole home factor, playing a team that embarrassed them, for lack of better terms, on the road. Um just a couple of weeks ago, and they're a divisional rival. So I think that's the route I'm going to go. Beyond that, I've got to be honest with you that I just don't really see anything else that sticks out to me as being potentially the only one I could possibly consider would be the Houston Texans taking on Detroit, because while we've seen a lot of good out of Matt Stafford, I do think that there's been enough bad out of him as well. I I can buy into that. Uh, there are two defenses that I might be willing to go. One is the Tennessee Titans, uh, because they're going up against the Jaguars, who are 27th in offense. Uh, the Titans, shockingly, are third in sacks with 20 sacks on the year, seventh in interceptions with six, and actually 10th. Uh, in the league in points allowed, something that you may not expect from them. The other defense I may go, even though they're middle to bottom of the league in sacks and interceptions, et cetera, et cetera, is the Detroit Lions. And I think you know why that is, because their quarterback is Brock Osweiler. Thank you. There was another knock on him. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I know you're all very proud of me. He might be my new Christian Hackenberg. There, I said Boom. That's great. I'm glad we've each found one. So <laughs> that's it for me. Let's talk about bold predictions. Last week I predicted that Torrey Smith and Rob Gronkowski would combine for five touchdowns. I got 20% of the way there. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't left empty-handed. You predicted Lamar Miller would end up with over 200 rushing yards. You got about 20% of the way there, too. <laughs> You know, we'll call it what looks like about 30%. So together we were about 50 out of 200%. So I also believe I said Tom Brady 400 passing yards and six touchdowns, and that was not to be. But Yes, that was a uh, – you got halfway there with the yardage, a third of the way there with the touchdowns. I'm going to go a little bit different this week, and I'm just going to say that – 
a major tournament is going to be won with all players' ownerships over 15%. Wow. This week. And I'm not talking about... I'm talking about a, a tournament that has at least 10,000 players in it. And specific to FanDuel. That's going to be my... Uh, that That's, that's my... Uh, Bold prediction. Well, now that you've said that, there's going to be a, a tournament win where it's all at 14% just to mess with you. No, it's, or it'll be all at 15 and one will be at 14.9. <laughs> and the picture of the person in the FanDuel profile will be giving me the finger. <laughs> with a signed F you, Nick. And right. it's going to be Christian Hackenberg. That's the kicker. <laughs> Any, uh, no, he's not a kicker, although maybe that would be a better idea for him. Uh, I do have a couple of bold predictions. One, and and this is a detailed one. I'm going to say that the Browns are going to win. They're going to score more than 28 points. And obviously, if you're wondering why such a random number, four touchdowns, thank you for those of you um, that can do multiplication. Uh, And I'm also going to say that they will have one player, uh, to me possibly Isaiah Crowell or uh, Terrell Pryor, provided that uh, he's playing, which I don't even think is on the injury report, but I will say that will be the top of their position. That is my, that is all one prediction. So hopefully, um, hopefully I look there or look good there. And and I'm also going to say that Brock Osweiler will throw no less than, or excuse me, have no less than three turnovers in the game. All right. That's a, that's that's a bold prediction because he's been bad, but I don't think he's been that bad. But it's it's certainly a possibility. So with that, if you want to follow us, hit us up on Facebook, Research Fantasy, on Twitter, at Research and Win. Hit us up on our website, researchfantasy.com, BC. I am always on the Facebook, on the Twitter, at 1SF Podcast, where I talk about professional wrestling, life, love, the pursuit of happiness, uh, and even Los Drugos, that is a topic coming up uh, on the podcast very quick, very soon, where I actually talk about, you know, real life instead of, uh, what would you call it, hokery-pokery or, or jiggery-pokery? Yep. I will not be talking about uh, so much jiggery-pokery, but as we end every episode, just like the Texans fans, when Brock Osweiler has that third turnover, turnover, reprise the theme song, and roll the credits. <laughs>